This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Another day, another caucus, another primary. Question is, another Trump day? Who are you betting on? We're in Nevada. No, I'm actually here, and you're there, but they're in Nevada. We are the Blaze Radio Network. Excelsior. Bless me for this opportunity, because I welcome you back, partners, friends, broadcast family on the Blaze Radio Network, Jaily News, new edition. I'm Jay Severin. Our office number is one 3393 one Nevada caucuses today. <clears throat> And again, we're back to a caucus, and you remember the difference. And I will get to that in a, in, in a moment. We will get to the field, the standing, whether or not I believe Trump believes he has this one, whether or not Trump is still afraid, if ever he was, of anyone, and by that I mean Ted Cruz, do we just think that, you know, are we projecting our prejudices, our biases uh, strategically onto our candidates and other candidates? Or, or, you know, are these very real? I have a few ideas about that, and I'll bet you might too. And I promise you, though, I, well, I probably can, of course, tell you <clears throat> the results of the Nevada caucus before they even open. I want you to know that that, that's not even close to our knowing for some time because uh, uh, Nevada's caucuses don't open until 8 or 9 p.m. local time, which is a couple of few hours different than, uh, at least here, from where I sit on the East Coast. I know you are... Everywhere, the best and brightest are coast to coast and even abroad. 
which used to be a punchline back when my father was, you know, in college. But <clears throat> yeah, it's a caucus day. It's going to be important. But I think I have something more important. I am not doomed but blessed to retell this story until it becomes a byword such that at least within the family of this show and within this network, we know what it means with a wink and a nod. But I'm telling it less often, and and I'm going to start telling it less and less often. I just want to get to a point of critical mass. I wish to reach a point of critical mass at which we wink at each other and we know exactly what we're... I've already had, like, like uh, Maddie has already started to write me back quoting this. And when you guys start quoting our inside joke, I know that it's becoming part of the lexicon, part of the nomenclature of our little community here, right? Twerking. When I sat down to watch uh, the, the GMA or the Grammys or something a year and a half ago <clears throat> with my family, I, I, you know, I know I was on at eight o'clock on a Sunday night or something. So I figure, all right, I, you know, there's going to be stuff that I can't relate to. Clearly, there's going to be things I don't like, but there's no reason to be concerned. Right? No reason to, you know, it may or may not have occurred to me at the moment to turn to my child bride and say, "Do we, is this okay to have on? I mean, is there anything here we have to worry about? And I thought it was, you know, at the time, I'm sure I thought it was a silly question. If it had been on, you know, a cable or after 10 o'clock or something, but it was like eight o'clock and it was one of the like major networks. So I sat back and watched, <clears throat> pardon me. And within, I don't know, 15 minutes, I watched Miley Cyrus very convincingly approximate intercourse with a number of males, well, males up on the stage. And my jaw must have been physically agape because I looked around the room to, to, I was, I, I was, I felt mortified. And of course I like turned to my daughter and I said, Oh geez. I mean, I, what do I do? I, do I just change the channel and not say anything? Do I explain why I'm changing the channel? Do I, do I do nothing? Do I, well, what's my, what's my play here? And I looked around the room and I expected my wife to first engage me, but my daughter was waiting for me. She was 13, I think, at the time. And I could see from the look on her face that she was looking at a look on my face that registered something close to alarm. It was beyond perplexed. It was much closer to alarm. And... I'll never forget this. This is an absolutely true story on my word to you. I hope someday I can film a, a movie scene, direct a movie scene in, in which this, this simple little interaction is played out. So this is happening on TV. I look around. I, my eyes meet my 13-year-old daughter's eyes. She looks at me and all of a sudden, like the roles are reversed. 
all of a sudden, I realize that she is trying to comfort me. She realizes I'm mortified and shocked. She realizes the reason I'm mortified and shocked is because of her. She knows I'm wondering whether she's ever seen something like this before or done something like this before or her best friends know and do or, right? It's just the old dad bit, right? So she looks at me, she looks at me and and says in a soothing, reassuring tone, as moments earlier, I had expected to soothe her. No, she looked at me and said, twerking, dada, twerking. It's called twerking. And so now <clears throat> I'm in another orbit and I just sort of slowly, you could get this scene, right? So I just sort of nod my head and kind of try a, Half a rye smile. If you don't have rye, make that whole week. I try half a rye smile at her, and I nod, and I say, Okay, honey. Uh, thank you. And I like turn back and, and look at the TV, at which point that part is pretty much over. I have adopted that moment as, well, it, 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 it just was an enlightening moment moment for me because it put a handle it put a name it gave a name to something it was an epiphany in a way a cultural epiphany i realized that 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 this level of well may i indecency this is an editorial right i mean this level of 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 immodesty. Oh, is that better? Will that make everyone feel more comfortable if I say immodesty rather than indecency? But you got my spontaneous utterance, as the lawyers would say. I said indecency, and that's what I mean. But <clears throat> we'll let's settle for the purposes of this deposition for uh, immodesty. I realized this level of immodesty had become the standard the functioning gold standard, the monetary standard of American culture, of American entertainment. When I see an 18-year-old young woman approximating group sex on network television and my 13-year-old daughter has to tell me that she not only isn't shocked, but it's got a name and she knows what the name is, and she has to educate and soothe me, I realized I, 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 from now on that, that, that this was a kind of epiphany. And so you want to know the equivalent? Turn on a television, any television, tonight, and you will see Donald Trump. And I, this is not, believe it or not, even in the context of this story, I do not intend for this to be a Trump critical comment. I just mean it to be a cultural observation like Margaret Mead among the Samoans. I just want to say I see Donald Trump on television. I listen to what he says. I listen to what he says and how he says it, as you do. And every time I do, I relive the moment 
of seeing Miley Cyrus perform on stage. And I think to myself, with a capital T, twerking. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. You, we. I know that culture changes. I know that life changes. I know I'm an old gas bag. But the whole key to this is, you know, we have until now, had a constitution. And I know it's the job of old white men, especially if they're in my line of work or some related line of work, to be or to become gas bags and and to sit in a... uh, my favorite cartoons were all, there was an artist, uh, he may still be there at the New Yorker. His car, his cartoons were always of old white men that lo- looked like my grandfather. They, they were old white Presbyterian men uh, <clears throat> sitting in uh, high-backed chairs with a, you know, some kind of like a Manhattan or a martini and 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 the <clears throat> Wall Street Journal or the New York Times and they'd be at a together at a club you know maybe a college club <clears throat> I always think of the Yale club you know why because when you ride along the elevated roadway alongside Grand Central terminal uh not station that's the post office want to win a bar bet ask someone where Grand Central station is <clears throat> just just ask them of course, they have to have some familiarity with New York. Ask them what what corners, what cross streets. Where's Grand Central? You know Grand Central Station? Of course I do. Tell me pretty much where it is. So establish, fix a location so that they can't weasel out of it. 
They don't need to know the exact street numbers. You can have them describe it. You can have them give you the cross streets or anything you like. But fix a a a, a uh, fix a certain location and have them tell you where you know and make a bet and say, yeah, you 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 know it. You know where it is. I'll bet you five bucks you don't. Have them give you. They'll be full of smug. There'll be a whole bag of smug, and they'll give you the description. And what they will have just proffered the description of is Grand Central Terminal. That's on 42nd Street. And there's actually, I mean, the street runs right, Park Avenue runs into it, over it, and down again, where it becomes Park Avenue South. So it's Park Avenue and 42nd Street. That's Grand Central Terminal. That's where the trains go. Grand Central Station, which is what everybody, including your most New York New Yorkers, call Grand Central Terminal. They call it Grand Central Station. Grand Central Station is a place. It's a post office. It's about four blocks north of Grand Central Terminal uh, on uh, pretty much on Lexington Avenue. But I don't know. I just, you know, sometimes I go off on these things. Uh, it is the job. And I say the reason I said the L Club is when you go up on the elevated roadway, you look, you can look into the L Club. And there are, it's filled with old white Presbyterian men in Brooks Brothers suits sitting in uh, high back winged leather chairs uh, with with draperies made in the 1600s. <clears throat> hanging from a 45-foot ceiling, and they're all drinking Manhattans or martinis, and they're all reading the Wall Street Journal, and they're all grumbling something, and chances are they're grumbling about socialism or they're grumbling about their grandson or their granddaughter. And what I mean to say is there has always been a generation gap, Right? I mean, when I, it's the job of young people to piss older people off. It, it's, it's, it, it, except for the very exceptional young person, I was not one of them in this regard. It's, it was my job to grow my hair long and smoke pot and, in essence, be worthless for, to, to, to maximize, uh, to absolutely maximize the phenomenon of extended adolescence that post-World War II uh, granted to its young people. When my father was, I described yesterday, when George Bush was 18, he'd already been shot down as a combat flyer and was getting ready to go up and fly some more. And when I was 18, uh, my biggest accomplishment was uh, having painted with house paints my VW bus uh, with psychedelic colors. Pretty much the same level of achievement, right? Okay. Young people's job is to create the generation gap, manifest it in a way that is disgusting to older people. They don't do it to be disgusting, but darned if young people don't find a way to achieve being disgusting in some way 
to their elders. It's the generation gap. It's life. Skip, am I making sense here? Yes. Is this right? Is this life or is this life? It is life. This is life. Okay. So up until now, the generation gap was generation gap, and we all know what happened. We fell in love. We got married. We cut our hair. We got a job. We became useful or quasi-useful members of society. And and what diminished was the generation gap. And we, ironically, settled down to produce the next generation of brats who would grow up in relative affluence, which affords them the opportunity to be even bigger a-holes than we were. It's the way it works. Skip, is this life? This is life. Okay. I fear, however, and I have for some years, and if you've been with me for some years, you know this is not new. Guru Jay cut his teeth, holy cow, on this years ago, and that is something changed about the generation gap. When you've got, uh, they recently, there was recently a poll, they asked millennial voters, uh, and I don't know, millennial voters are between the ages of what, 15 and... 30 something they asked them about capitalism and socialism they favored socialism by like 15 or 20 points it's not a boogeyman to them of course they don't know what the hell it is but they're going to vote for it they like it this is not a generation gap this is not growing your hair long this is not a vw bus this ain't no cbgb's this ain't no fooling around Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three, and no, no, Guru Jay is not forgetting about what he reported to you yesterday, which was to expect presently a renewed effort by uh, Obama to close down Guantanamo Bay Prison and release its prisoners and bring half of them here. It is madness. It is sheer madness, and no, I haven't forgotten. I just didn't think when I reported this to you yesterday, you may have known that Obama was going to have a press conference about this this morning and announce it. I didn't. I had just heard from a source that this was in the on the burner. It was going to happen soon. So we will get to that, believe me. To put a cap on my twerking thing for the moment, I'm merely saying when you hear me say twerking, what I'm saying is it's different now. This ain't swallowing goldfish. This isn't college kids seeing how many people can fit in a phone booth and swallowing goldfish or growing your hair long or sex before marriage or a lot of things that people at the time, believe it or not, found unsettling, indecent, and significant for all the wrong reasons. 
But in the end, people turned out okay. And in the end, you could still write them down to college pranks, even though they were of increasingly indecent character. But now, when college students, college students are all of them half idiots and the rest are really trying to become an idiot and the professors are trying their best to make them idiots and when they overwhelmingly embrace a socialist socialism is responsible for a minimum of 100 million deaths in the previous century and that makes it i hesitate to use that wording because it makes it sound so long ago but back in the years during which you and i were born you know prior to 2000 in that century the century of your birth socialists were responsible for unimaginable horror and human suffering and the deaths of 100 million by starvation firing squad torture stalin Lenin, Marx, Mao, Pol Pot. The unbelievable, ungodly, unmentionable suffering of human beings, the death of 100 million people, plus socialism works every time it's theorized. It just doesn't work any time it's ever been tried. This ain't swallowing goldfish. This ain't no Woodstock. This ain't no fooling around. This ain't no disco, no CBGBs, okay? When when kids are, instead of growing their hair long, half of them are consider themselves transgendered and they're embracing socialism, it, it, it ain't packing a phone booth anymore. And I know every old white man has said this ever since the roaring 20s, and before, when, you know, young men were loosening their ties before 5 o'clock, and the old men in the Yale Club were saying, can you imagine, I saw a young man, couldn't have been more than 23 or 4 today, and he had no tie on. No tie, no necktie. This ain't that. And we need to wake up. Twerking, da-da. Twerking. There's twerking, then there's criminally negligent twerking. E.g., Obama's efforts to close Guantanamo Bay and bring those serial killers such as the world has never seen here. There's twerking and there's criminally negligent twerking. And that's the latter. Jay from Denver in an uh, in almost inhuman effort to follow an act uh, which raised the bar so high that uh, it, it's amazing he's trying again so soon. But uh, as a consolation, it was Jay himself from Denver who set the bar so high in his last call. Welcome back, sir. Uncle Severin, thanks for taking me back. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad that I'm... I'm I'm glad that I'm a halfway decent-looking guy because my Twitter was so positive and negative uh, that I, I thought I would have landed a date. Hopefully it wasn't an assassination or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
a couple of things I wanted to dispel, and, and you were talking about what socialism has done to people. I think the word is, is genocide, right? Yes. So a lot of people that I talk to um, in work and, and kind of in play here and there say Trump provides no details of anything. Well, as a former negotiator in law enforcement, the one thing you don't talk about is negotiating because everybody knows your hand. And I think that we have basically called our government guilty of doing that, telling everybody what they're doing, when they're doing, and everybody's able to counter. So um, as far as building the wall and doing all these things Trump's talking about, the more he talks about and provides you with details of it, the more people can counter. What are your thoughts on that? And I have uh, an open platform for you to ask me questions Mm, about maybe uh, thank some you. of the thoughts that Trump people have. That's the drill. I'm going to be very short. I mean, I put the load on you because I know you're capable. So the agenda is really yours, though I'll I'll be a front seat driver with you. Uh, my answer to your question uh, is I don't – my greatest fears are, or, or maybe apprehensions at this point. My greatest apprehensions are that I think Donald Trump, as of this moment, I believe Donald Trump likely will be the Republican nominee. What follows that apprehension is another, the logical one, and that is I have no idea whether he can win. Following is another apprehension, which is I have always felt and said so that we may actually not be able to win without him. I don't know that we can beat a circus without a circus. And it gives me very mixed feelings, Jay, about I feel guilty about it. I feel intellectually crippled by it, like I can't figure something out that I ought to be able to figure out. And that, that and I'm unaccustomed to feeling that way. Uh, and, and then finally, this apprehension. I don't know if, if all of those other things are true, and I know they're plausible. If those turn out to be true, Jay, I don't know if in electing Donald Trump, we will be doing something quasi-revolutionary, uh, in a sense, that will be exactly the right medicine at exactly the right time. Or I don't know if... I lay in bed at night, Jay, and I think that last night I lay in bed and I thought about, if you were directing a movie about Donald Trump, what's a plausible ending for the movie? And a plausible ending to the movie is 45 days into his presidency, Jay, He's running to his plane, dragging members of his family, trying to get his plane off the ground before uh, the atomic bombs land on Washington, D.C., because he's attacked somebody and provoked World War III. I don't know whether I am a victim of popular hysteria because he is the X factor. He's unknown. And I'm fairly certain, Jay, that we've elected people rougher and tougher and crazier than Donald Trump as president. Some of these guys were got, were half nuts, Jackson and some of the others, you know. But, but that was a different time. You know, we couldn't incinerate the world in 15 seconds back then if we made a brash uh, and unwise you know, decision. I don't know if the guy is a nut or I don't know if he's George Washington. But I know I have to start figuring out and challenging you to figure out, meaning we, us, to figure out what this guy's all about. Because I think the prospects of his being the next president are approaching the, you know, 40 
percent realm. Well, he, I can tell you what, he's going to change a lot of things. And I, I, I don't think of a bad reason why he would be running. Some people say power. He's got $10 billion. What kind of power could Trump be right. seeking? But I don't, I think that we're so in this sheep mindset that we're so used to listen. When I was a police officer, there was a captain and no matter what question you asked the captain, the, his first statement to respond to you was the first thing we need to do is kill all the lawyers. And then he would respond to whatever <laughs> random question. Then he would respond to your question. I think we're so ingrained and we're so taught right now by politicians. Trump is, as far as I know, the only one who's even worked, had a job. You know, I, I get you. Race. Let let me let me, if I may, for a second, animate what I think you're saying. And you correct me, of course, if you're wrong. You're the author. I think what Jay is saying here, folks, is that we're so accustomed to being brainwashed, and in so many cases, just a light rinse is necessary these days. I, I think we're so accustomed to being brainwashed into thinking only a sober, serious guy like Mitch McConnell who is like moderate, doesn't really believe this too strongly, doesn't really believe that too strongly, doesn't really believe anything too strongly because he's sober, Presbyterian, older, responsible. You know, this just shut up, you guys. This job is for people like us who don't really believe. We were very temperate. We really don't believe that strongly in anything. And so let us do this. We're the, we were born to run the government and the State Department you all just shut up and pay your taxes. Is that essentially what you're saying, that that's what we've become accustomed to and we kind of have started believing it? I, well, yeah, and then, and then that's a good point. And then you start hearing about who's eligible and who's got their credentials to run for president. I mean, you're just as eligible to run for president as Trump is or as Cruz is. So far as you know. All right, Jay, stay there. Out of time. Satellite. Love to keep you. Be back in a second. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Jay from Denver remains with us. Jay, I want to slide in a piece of breaking news here. According to the New York Times, Marco Rubio and Donald Trump are no longer rivals. They are set to uh, powwow. That's all I have. Oh, Jay dropped. Oh, what a pity. All right, we lost him. Jay, call back whenever you want. Um, Kurt from Illinois. Welcome. Hi, Jay. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you, sir. Thanks for calling. I am glad to hear that. Um, so at first I want to just address the millennial thing you talked about at the opening of the show. Um, I am are a millennial. You one? Yes. I, I am a recent okay. college graduate. Um, I graduated in December and, uh, I, I do want to just say that, um, I don't think it's necessarily our fault per se. I mean, yeah, we are the ones who are being idiots and everything. However, um, well, wait, wait, you know, wait, wait. Kind of We're your fault. Mm-hmm. What? What did I fault for? What? No, I, well, I mean, I... our fault for being idiots. Oh no, we all are idiots in America when we're young. It's the it's the youth stupid license. It's the extended oh, adolescence. Yeah, yeah. 
of 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 an of an affluent culture that allows you to be a child uh chiefly by long. being a student you know society actually mm-hmm. like when you meet a a plumber on the street and you say what do you do at least when i was a kid you'd meet a plumber carpenter and you'd say what do you do and he goes i'm a i'm a carpenter and i'd say uh-huh thoroughly a little snot brat bastard unimpressed with and unacquainted with life i'd go oh yeah that's great and he'd say what what do you do and i'd say i'm a graduate student like thinking god help me for even a moment in my life that that was a fraction as worthwhile as what he was doing so that's yeah Mm -hmm. no hey you get to be stupid till you're 30 in america (laughs) way too long well, and what I meant, though, was, like, um, you know, I feel like a lot of, not hate, but I want to say uh, displeasure that there are coming towards the uh, millennials, and, you know, we're expected to fix this. We're expect There's, a, like, a lot of pressure for millennials, and it's kind of one of those, you know, uh, look at, you know, who, who raised us? We, we know everything that there is through our parents. And so um, I am saying that maybe, like, the generations before us and stuff were maybe – should have done more about, you know, shaming if they started thinking of socialist beliefs. And I'm all for bullying and shaming. I think it's fully on behalf of my generation. I wish to submit a no low contendere plea. Uh, We, we throw ourselves on the moisey of the court. Believe me, you're right. (laughs) Well, and I I just, I I was going to say, you know, our, my generation's all obsessed, no bullying and stuff. And then when I came out and when I come out and say, you know, I think bullying should be enhanced and should there should be more bullying. Um, there's a lot of hate shown my way through my old generation. So, uh, and I'm saying that as someone who was bullied when, as a kid. As a kid. Um, right. But, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, You're going to find, oh, no. Kurt, that, of course, you know, all these ideas that are for college, you know, learning what yeah. hate is and that it's wrong and all, and, and flirting with socialism and thinking that you're five different genders, you know, before you're 20, all of that's swell, uh, you know, for college, I guess. But you're going to find that it doesn't get you or keep you a job, which actually pays for the things you think automatically you're going to have, house and cars. Oh, you're preaching and, to the choir. You know, and free, like, like I said, I, I would not children. be the same person I am today without the bullying. So I actually thank the bullying, and I think it, it built my character. It made me stronger. And Kurt, those who can't I must thank that. you. Ask you to call again as soon as you can. I'm at top of hour. Right back. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Today is Tuesday, I believe. The question really is, will it be... Trump Day. We won't know until tomorrow, but it ain't an unimportant question at this point. Excelsior!
Welcome back, partners, a broadcast family, friends, friends, to the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Jay Severin. Our office number is one 888-900-3393. Another day, another primary, in this case, a caucus. You know the difference. You also know, or ought to, that in Nevada, I'm not from Nevada, so I don't say Nevada. Uh, uh, nor do I say Colorado, but let's not get into that, Jay, shall we? Uh, You also know, or ought to, that they don't hold particularly dear their primary political process, which is a caucus, in uh, in Nevada. This is not uh, insulting intentionally to Nevadans. It's just to let you know that they generally run last or close to last in the entire country in terms of the percentage of people that turn out for a caucus or a primary, usually around 1%. Now, the Republican chairman says it's going to be a record turnout. If that's true, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Not impossible, but it's very difficult to dismiss the notion that that is because of Donald Trump. And the reason it's difficult is because it's been because of Donald Trump each time. And uh, we have Jay Beck on the phone. So in welcoming him back, let me pass along one other thing to you. I notice again the lead story on the cable networks, even as we head into tonight's caucus in Nevada. And they're they're open for only two hours. You you can't do a caucus in two hours. I don't think, but I guess they do. And so it's only like two hours. They're even open. The polls are open, I think, from 8 to 10 or 9 to 11 p.m. Hey, that's Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Thank you very much. Uh, They only do like two hours, and that's why they get like 1%. But you know what? They have 30 delegates, and those will be proportionally awarded tonight. What I wonder is why the lead story, as I said a minute ago, coming out of uh, the 4 o'clock hour in the East, is still Donald Trump, no big surprise, but it's still Donald Trump savaging someone. And that's not particularly a surprise. But the lead story on all the networks at the 4 p.m. news hour on the East Coast, which means that's what's going to be the lead. Well, the lead story on the network networks tonight will be Obama proposes again closing Guantanamo Bay. Uh, we we reported that yesterday. We just didn't know what would happen today, so I'm really hoping to get to it. But it's not breaking tonight like the caucuses. So if we don't get to it, we'll get to it tomorrow. But because I know what I want to say, I want to say what I've been saying about it for uh, every year that Obama has been president. I haven't changed my mind on Guantanamo Bay. I just have some facts that may solidify or change your mind along with our debate. But, Jay, in welcoming you back, I, I just want to note again that Trump is the lead story Uh, out of the East Coast media establishment at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, caucus day in Nevada, is Trump 
is savagely attacking Cruz, calling him a very sick man. That's a quote. A sick liar, end quote. Uh, and, well, and, and he's making it extremely personal. And the only thing that that says to me, I'm sorry, it says two things to me, Jay. It says, number one, I, either Donald is, is, uh, is an unwell man or Donald's polls internally show him that he has every reason to still be very afraid of Ted Cruz. And I think it's the latter. Jay from Denver, welcome back. Thanks, Jay. And, I, and I'm not advocating or, or trying to sway people to push Trump, right? I mean, I don't work for his campaign. Um, I, I, was a, I was a Cruz guy before until some predictions came along that I made. One of them was after the first debate with the whole Rosie O'Donnell comment, I knew that the rest of the field was in big, big trouble with Trump. Um, I knew that he was going to push. I knew that he was going to push the meter. Uh, and then after he won the little debate with, I don't remember if that was CBS or NBC, when he changed the debate from three hours to two hours, and that was in his closing statement. That's when I predicted that Trump would run run the table and win the primary. Um, you, you can help me with history here. From my if my memory Maybe. serves me right, the 17 or 1800s were pretty nasty with politics, right? Weren't politicians? Oh God, yeah. I mean. Okay. Oh yeah. We, Every everything I, that you hear people talk about South Carolina, which, so far as I know, turned out to be the cleanest primary, and Guru Jay say, uh, uh, ten days prior, I think the media attention to the dirtiness in South Carolina may actually make South Carolina self conscious and may not actually end up dirty because everyone's waiting for dirty. Now, whether or not that's the reason, it ended up not dirty at all. But oh yeah. No, in the in the seventeen and eighteen hundreds, we were filthy, dirty in our politics. So I think that what we're trying to do, Trump's trying to do, is kind of drum us back, right? Like I led to earlier, before I was disconnected, there is we've been trained Sorry. to think of a different. We've been different. We've been trained to think of politics differently. So now Trump is trying to bring back this old school nature, kind of like that young caller you just had a moment ago. He's been trained through this whole education process to be nice. Nice is over with. These these nice times are gone. So we need to re-educate our youth again, teach them what it is to be strong and conservative, and stop being so nice to the left. They're so rude to us and evil to us. It's okay to fight back a little bit. And I think yeah, I Trump couldn't agree more. That and, and he will win. Trump will win at whatever cost necessary and apologize later. Um, and you know what? I know if he'll go to any is, cost required. I don't know that it will result in victory. I haven't given up at all on the idea of uh, President Ted Cruz, but I I want to make very careful here that my point is understood, and that is I'm I'm merely saying that we have become accustomed over 200 years because of the men who almost without exception held the office. We think of the president, at least I do, and I was of a generation— baby boomers, raised to hold the presidency of the United States in awe. Not maybe the man, but the office, in awe, awestruck by the whole thing. I mean, I'm in for it all. The Oval Office, the presidential motorcade, the whole deal. You know, we don't have a king, but we really do. I mean, that's okay. I'm, I'm in for all of that. That's what I was raised with. But now we have twerking. And and, and, well, and and I'm not sure we haven't had other twerking presidents before. It's just that they didn't have cable television to tell us about who they really were. That's what I don't know about Trump. Is he like 
You know, if Thomas Jefferson could come back or George Washington come back to life, Jay, for 15 minutes to share with us, I would say to him, have there been other fellows like Trump? And they turned out to be not disasters, at least, or maybe they turned out to be better than not disasters. I would really want to know from Jefferson or, you know, Washington. Oh, yeah. You know, he's rough trade. But we've had other rough characters in there before. It's okay. The office will, you know, the office will survive him. But I still worry about the nuclear thing. I still worry about him making a misjudgment about Putin in a meeting, punching Putin in the face, and then we're at nuclear war. Well, I, I don't I don't see that. I mean, I think if anything, we're going to rekindle some relationships that have gone abroad because he's going to demand some damn respect. But I... We've gone into some bad wars, and we can talk about that another time, whether we should have been there or shouldn't have been there. We can all agree on this call who's listening to this. We all want to beat Hillary. So I have agreed with you and many other people. Ted Cruz is the best candidate to to win. I'm not going to fight that, and I love Trump. But Trump is the one who can beat Hillary. This isn't whoever wins the Republicans is not going to be the president. There's another, there's another fight to be fought right. here. So right. you have to pick a the question is whether Ted would be the best president of the United States or the better of the two. And I don't think there's any question that no, he would I be both better and best. But you don't get to be either if you don't beat the other person. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. And I don't think that You're the right. millennial I don't think that the millennial population will gravitate to Cruz as much as they will Trump when they're older. Yes, they will. Trump just, and we've, or Cruz, we've said it before, I just don't think he can draw people to sway them from Hillary or Bernie when I think, and my prediction is today, I think Trump, once he gets to the general, he'll beat Hillary in New York. Well, as, as we have discussed, at least initially, one of the claims he makes, which I think has to be taken or at least considered seriously, is that Trump says he will remake the electoral map. And I, I tweeted this out a few nights ago and said, you know, if that's true, if New York, as Jay, you have just proposed, if New York is suddenly in play for the Republicans, if the Democrats have to defend and actually win New York or defend it, if they have to start defending states that they've been able to take for granted, if Trump can put New York and uh, let's just go wild here, California in play for the Republicans, it's an entirely different ball game. Jay, I've got to run. I'm way over. Call again soon. The show depends on you. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners. In just a moment, uh, Nota Bene, uh, because of my quasi-adult attention disorder, deficit disorder, I never got to finish the point earlier that the polls are open not only for a brief time tonight, but late tonight in a state that is 
late for most of the country. So by the time the polls close in, pardon me, in Nevada, it will be after midnight, probably, wherever you are. The networks, uh, by that I mean national television, uh, uh, the networks have not even scheduled their live coverage to begin until uh, 11 or in some cases midnight. So... Good luck. You're on your own. This is one time I'm going to say you're on your own. No, you're really not because I'll be on that. I'll be listening to uh, that bud in my ear. I'll be listening on and off and, and catching some Z's during the night. But the important thing is I'll know everything and ergo so will you uh, by by tomorrow. But, I mean, you'll know a lot before we speak tomorrow afternoon. But I'll have all of the post and all of the analysis and what it means. But you'll know when you wake up in the morning pretty much what happened. I mean, you'll wake up tomorrow morning and you'll just be learning who won the big casino in Vegas tonight. If Cruz, huge deal. If Rubio, a very big deal. If Trump, no great surprise. And that's what concerns a lot of us who are, shall we say, uneasy with the concept of a President Trump. At some point, soon, someone else is going to have to start, someone else is going to have to start winning. I know it's early, but believe me, believe me from experience, and I have something far more reliable for you than than me, arithmetic. And the calendar. It's going to get late awfully early around here. And, you know, Super Tuesday is a week away. And then a week after that or so, you start hitting states which are, no, it's more closer to two weeks. Then you start hitting states, batches, big, fat batches of states where it's winner take all. Tonight, in Nevada, it's still proportional. So it matters to come in second or third or or come in sixth. You still get, you know, a certain percentage of the delegates. Dr. Carson will get a delegate or two tonight probably. So it matters to finish second or third, proportional. But soon we're going to get to that uh, kind of uh, primary where it's a gunfight, like from the old Westerns. Someone's going to die on the spot, and someone ain't. Bryce, I want to thank you for your gracious patience and welcome. Hey, Jay, how's how's it going? Well, thank you, Bryce. Hey, I wanted to talk to you, if you're still interested in talking about it, back when you were talking about the generation gap and millennials. Sure, and- sure, absolutely. And, d- and don't worry about okay. the clock. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll hold over uh, uh, across the break. I want you to get your okay. time, so go. Okay, thank you. Um, well, I am 23 years old, so I can maybe give a little bit of um, insider perspective as to what my thoughts are on the yeah. matter. Um, and and what, what I've noticed is that um, there are a lot of problems that are arising with my generation, and, I, and I'm thinking that they're all stemming from one, uh, one central problem, and, and I think that problem is, uh, selfishness. Well, and, first of all, define problem. 
You say there are problems in your generation. Well, Give me I mean, an example. I mean, well, I mean, even what you were talking about, something as silly as twerking that out. I mean, to right. me, that's just that's just um, just evidence of the moral decadence that's that's taking place in my generation. Well, exactly. And, uh, that's how I mean it. I mean, when yeah, when you've right, got a prime right. time show showing a young woman approximating sex with a bunch of men, how can you be surprised at Donald Trump? Right, right. I mean, it's outrageous. And now we're seeing, we're seeing just just thousands upon thousands of young people running to Bernie Sanders and socialism. And and, and you know, those are two big problems. And I think the root cause of all of this is selfishness. And um, and I think while while I love capitalism and the free market, and I would have I would have it no other way, uh, I do think that this is one of the pitfalls of that system. Is is we live in a, a society of disposable goods and instant gratification. Yep. Yep. And, and I think that really causes a lot of selfishness and, and focus on, you know, oneself. And, and one thing I'm, I, I've noticed in my very few years of having been an adult is whether it's in acad- academics or relationships um, or even, you know, at my church, you know, I see – I just see I see selfishness in my generation, and I'm not exempt from this either. Don't you know? Trust me, I'm not exempt. No, no, not at all. May, may I well. accept? May I accept your evidence here and spin off it to make a, a, a related comment? Oh, if I wanted to refine, in my opinion, if I wanted to refine a little bit, distill, I should say, distill your opinion. Selfishness is exactly it of the self, but I think the driver of that is that we live in a astoundingly astoundingly affluent society. When Absolutely. I was about 30, I looked back on my life and my acquaintances, and I remember, I don't know exactly when it was, but my late 20s, early 30s, and I remembered of the people I had known in my life, how all the ones, they were kind of divided into people who had served in the military and people who hadn't. Now, I don't mean that as a universal test for all generations or all people, but the people who reminded me of my father were the people I liked the most all of a sudden. And, you know, and and, and there was a dividing line. I think in your generation, you are victims of our affluence, as I am. Um, And I want to give the example of survivability in one second. Stay there. The Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. We welcome back a Bryce from the Buckeye State, which is getting a lot of attention more so than usual. No Republican, I believe, has ever won the presidency without winning Ohio. It's the reason Ohio Governor John Kasich has the temerity even to be in this race. And every rationale that he has summoned and proffers to us derives from the notion that he owns Ohio 
and therefore is in a position of leverage to be able to stay in the race, catch fire and win, or leverage his ownership, such as he believes, into uh, an offer of the vice presidency or otherwise be a prince maker. Back to Bryce. Welcome. Hello. Hey. Welcome back. Wait, is this Bryce? Yes, sir. Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, we need to call the witness here. Who is this? This is Bryce. Bryce, we were just speaking, were we not? Yes, sir. Okay, welcome back. You, you're you on. Okay, um, well, you know, like we were talking about, um, you know, we, we talked about the problems that I, that I kind of see with, with the generation that's, right, right. that's coming up right now. And um, I have a feeling almost everyone you know from school, anyway, or in that in that clique are for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I mean, I went to Ohio State, and back in um, 2012, it was all for President Obama, and I was in the minority of conservatives. I'm sure I still am in the minority of conservatives. Um, Aren't we all, or so it seems. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, But I, I think... I think our generation is, is largely to blame, but uh, at the same time, you know, I was raised with very traditional values, and uh, those values were not not only values, but they were expectations. And when those expectations weren't met, um, they were reinforced, and reinforced in a way that would now probably be considered child abuse, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> i.e. spanking. Um, and I think my generation was really the first generation that kind of took on this everybody gets a trophy mentality. And I think it is just completely destroying the very fabric of our society. I mean, I, I mean everything from the structure of the family to politics to, I mean, to, to academia, everything. I mean, I, I'm truly, for the first time, I'm fearful because um, I'm married and I have a, a very young son. He's, he's five months old. And I, I'm, I'm fearful oh, to bless, raise bless. him. I'm fearful to raise him in a society where um, everyone just kind of looks out for themselves. I mean, I look back to, to the greatest generation, you know, the, the men that stormed Normandy, Normandy Beach and just stared death in the face in the name of their country and in, in, the, in the name of defending American freedom and, and standing up for what's right. And, and, and selflessness. Like, you know, selflessness. Absolutely. And those men stared death in the face in the name of what was right. And this generation demands safe spaces, quote unquote, on campuses. I mean, like, what happened? What happened? I just, I'm, I'm just blown away, and I'm honestly, you know, just kind of ashamed to be a 23 year old because I certainly don't feel like one, and I don't really associate with this generation just because I, I look at, I look at this generation and I just, I'm fearful. Well, I, Bryce, I share with you most especially. This and thank you so much for, for for your call and contribution. I share with you most especially the sense of the dizzying speed with which this has happened. Again, there has always been a generation gap. There is, generally speaking, something wrong with a fifty-year-old who does not believe that twenty-year-olds 
are screwing up everything, screwing up the country, screwing up the academy, college, screwing up the culture, screwing themselves. There's something wrong with a 50-year-old, generally speaking, who does not believe the 20-year-olds are crazy. Correspondingly, there is something a little bit queer, uh, and I'm going to use that word because it's a word in the Oxford English Dictionary, and I, I, I don't believe words are what you want them to mean. Words have meanings, and I use them uh, uh, appertaining to their meaning. Uh, it's a little bit, and I, that is to say I'm not going to be bullied out of using a perfectly good word because there is some new politically correct uh, twist on it. Uh, it's also a little bit queer if you're 20 and you don't think that 40 and 50 year olds haven't screwed up the world, that they haven't screwed up the world, that you're trying to fix, doing the things they believe are screwing up the world. But this is life. Skip, is this life? It is life. This is life. So, you know, this is derivative of the maxim that uh, anyone who is, I can think of two. One of them is uh, anyone who at uh, 50 is not a capitalist has no head. Anyone who at 20 is not a socialist has no heart. Almost everyone has flirtations with socialism, upper or lowercase s, in some form. Such has been at least the modern, the contemporary history of American youth. The other one I could think of is, and it's shorter and pithier, and that is middle age is that time when a broad mind and narrow waist change places. one 3393 J.D., also from the pivotal state of Ohio and the home of the next president of the United States, John Kasich. Welcome. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know about that last statement. But, uh, <laughs> Me neither. I've, I'm a new listener, and I really enjoy the show. Thank um, you. My comment is, I don't know if it was Jay that was saying that, why, why does Trump running the presidency, if, if he has $10 billion, he, got, he obviously, he doesn't need to run. Cause he, but my, my question is... Yeah, before you go on, in fairness to Jay, Jay was saying, and I feel confident of speaking for him here, he'll correct me if I'm wrong, what, what he said was, okay, so, you know, who can really question Trump's motives because it's not like he needs to be president. He's a very rich man. So, you know, if you've got $10 billion, one assumes that motives lie elsewhere. You know, it's because it's, it's if you have $10 billion, you have, quote unquote, everything. Of course, you may have nothing, but you have what our society calls everything. And so the one thing left that money can't buy, uh, romantically speaking, is that kind of power. You know, is the most important, powerful man in the world job. So, go ahead. So what I, what I what I would ask the Trump supporters then is when you ask them about his 
his donations to all the, the Democrats and Republicans that was good business sense. And, and I look at that as he's only looking out for himself. And by becoming president, he's, he's now essentially, he can set the rules for himself instead of having to donate to both parties. And okay. So let me help, let me help us both here. So are you saying which side of the coin on which side of the coin do you come down here? The side of the coin that says, therefore, based on what you just said, JD, that, that Trump ought to be understood and forgiven that which he did before he became a presidential candidate because he was a businessman or do you the other side of the coin is no that taints forever and you know without w- without alteration who he is and it's a bad thing which are you saying well, c- well can you can you answer has has Trump ever run for president I'm sorry before? I can't answer another question until you uh, give me the courtesy of answering mine, and I'll answer yours. Well, I, I I have a hard time trusting that he has the American people's interest first. As, All right, so I take it your I've got to break. Uh, J.D., I take it your answer is, A, that you think that his previous life, his previous donations, support, relationships, etc., tell you who he is and those are sort of cast and they cannot be uncast and so they taint forever in your mind and in the minds of reasonable people his motives and his eligibility in a in a moral and philosophical sense i thank you for the question it's an enormously important one which i take great pleasure in the prospect of answering in just a moment jay severin the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. I wish we had more hours. I wish we had more hours just for this answer. What a great, great question, J.D. asks. And it is my great blessing and pleasure to be here in front of this audience to be able to address it. Brian asks, J.D. rather, asks the probably the quintessential question of this campaign when you really get down to it. And that is, who is Donald Trump? How comfortable or uncomfortable with the prospect of his presidency ought we be? And if you're going to ask that question, and you certainly ought to, what it goes back to is, who is Donald Trump? Is Donald Trump the guy that I grew up with? And I don't mean personally. I just mean as a New Yorker. Is Donald Trump the Donald Trump of the front page of the New York Post and Daily News every day and on the news every night, powwowing with all the most important people in the world because he gave money to everybody. He helped elect Democrats, Republicans, 
everybody, everywhere, gave everybody money. You know why? Well, he claims it's because he was a businessman, and I believe him. I know, as a New Yorker, that unless you give to everyone, if you're rich, you can't get a parking sticker in New York. You can't put a window in your office. You can't do anything in New York City. It is so mobbed up union-wise, you can't take a pee or wind your watch unless you're paying somebody off officially and unofficially. So to me, the defense that, what are you kidding? I had to pay off everybody. I didn't care about an R or a D after their name. And by the way, where he lived, only D's. There were no Republicans who meant anything. <laughs> the no Republican meant anything in New York City. So he paid off the Democrats, you know, officially and unofficially. You know what? That doesn't even matter. It might matter to some other audience. It oughtn't matter to you. And it oughtn't matter to me, not to thinking people. And here's why. We believe in a higher defense. We believe in a higher court. It's an arguable defense that Donald Trump gave to Democrats and everybody else and had Hillary Clinton at his wedding and all of that because he had to, because he was a businessman. That's a very plausible, arguable defense. I'd be happy to make it in front of any courtroom. But you know what? That's not the ultimate question. It's not the ultimate answer. Here's what is, in all humility, here is the question and answer. Do you believe in redemption? Do you, do you, believe in redemption. I do. I must, out of self-defense, believe in redemption. I must believe that it's possible for a man or a woman to become something, someone better. I must believe that. Uh, I've tried. I don't know if I've succeeded, but it is the belief in redemption that motivates me without that belief that I believe it, that others believe it, that my God happens to believe it is I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. If I didn't believe in redemption, that one can get better. That is the court. That is the statute. That is the argument. That is the attitude. That is the rationale that gives Donald Trump a first or second if you will, chance. Because if Donald Trump comes to me and says, you know what, Jay, I got to tell you, I didn't give the money to those Democrats just to stay in business. I gave it to them because I believed in them. I was a Democrat. I I was pro-life. I did have multiple marriages. I did fool around. I did all these things that I now renounce. But you know what? On a certain day, I changed. Now, I understand why people question that, but I don't, and I don't think you do either. You know why? We believe in redemption. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.